This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Equity Minds! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome back to another episode of Equity Mates, or should I say, welcome to another episode of Equity Mates. We're young, we're reckless, we'll take this too far. Whether you're a newbie in the financial world or you're already feeling 22, we're here to guide you through the ups and downs of investing. So grab your guitar and let's strum the chords of financial success together. As always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. And who am I? I, or you, Bryce, are Taylor Swift. Correct. And it's fitting that uh, you've chosen Taylor Swift. I'm going to hazard a guess that you didn't choose Taylor Swift, but producer Sasha chose Taylor Swift. Yes. She told us uh, a couple of days ago when Spotify Wrapped came out uh, that, unsurprisingly, Taylor Swift was her number one artist. Yes. At, and with uh, number one artist, and I think the song was played over... More than once a week. That's actually not surprising. Like, uh, well, yours is like twenty-two or something. I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, f- I find if if my you... number one song was played twenty-two times, something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I reckon a, weekly I've is a, a big very, lift. A very diverse taste in music. Yeah, we- <laughs> weekly, Sasha. If you want to tune in here, you can. But weekly is a big lift. I reckon for a same song fifty-three times. How'd you manage that? Yeah, I just feel I feel like I've got a sideswipe there from Ren being like, my music taste is very diverse. <laughs> I listen to other things. I just love Taylor the most. No, no. I respect it. I think <laughs> weekly is solid effort. So I just asked Bryce what his was and uh, uh, I don't have Spotify. I could look up my wife's Harriet because I use it through that, but um Let us what's your top be... what's your top YouTube? Track 16, 14, <laughs> yeah. untitled. <laughs> um, Club mix. <laughs> anyway, I have, to down, I have to download it, so oh, I'm not yeah. going to bother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, by unknown. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway. That, that, is not, that is not what we're here to talk about. Save it for the music podcast. Yes, um, yes, yes. We are here for the final time on 2023 for an Ask an Advisor episode. This has been a new style of episode that we've launched this year and it's been an absolute cracker we've loved it and judging by the volume of questions we've been getting through to ask at equitymates.com it's been a favorite in the community as well it's our opportunity to put our questions to some of australia's best financial advisors and once again we're closing out the year by putting your questions 
to a financial advisor in the hot seat. That's it. And it is our pleasure to bring into the studio Yelena Konka. She is a senior wealth and holistic advisor at Shore and Partners. And we've got three sort of buckets of questions today, uh, investing related, superannuation related, and then a few general ones to close out around debt recycling and how to approach Christmas and those sorts of things. So um, very much looking forward to this one. There's a few questions in here that I'm going to probe a little bit deeper on as well for my own personal circumstances, which is what I also love about these. We get a free financial advice session every time we do it, Ren. Well, on that note, Bryce, (laughs) we should remind everyone that whilst we are licensed and while Yelena is licensed as well, None of us are aware of your personal financial circumstances. So whilst you might think of this as a free advice <laughs> session, it's important to stress it's a free general advice Absolutely. session, Absolutely. not personal advice. And if you want to keep the general advice train rolling after this episode, an important reminder that we have two books out, Get Started Investing, Don't Stress, Just Invest, uh, great ways to continue your investing journey and also great gifts. If you're racking your brain trying to think what to buy this Christmas for the person that has everything, give them the gift of financial security. Give them one of our books. And I'll tell you <laughs> and I'll tell you one thing, Ren. It is on an almighty sale at the moment on Amazon. Not that I'm... St- choosing between platforms where to buy but um i think it's about 15 bucks which is almost half price three dollars 89 for kindle get started investing (laughs) that's an absolute bargain and no we're not choosing what platform we support all platforms we're always going to promote the biggest bargain so booktopia dimmicks Angus and Robertson, I actually didn't think you still were in business, but you are. <laughs> our own website. <laughs> our own website. <laughs> we will promote whoever offers our book the cheapest. There you go, fourteen ninety five. Sorry, Ren, it's up to $14 now on Kindle. Black Friday's finished, it's twelve ninety nine. But still, still, still worth it. Still worth, worth every it. penny. Absolute bargains galore <laughs> to be seen. Up forty-two percent or more. Anyway, let's get stuck in. This let's has bring been a in. Loose intro. Let's bring in Yelena. Well, Yelena, welcome to Equity Mates. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Now, we've got a bunch of questions that have come through from the Equity Mates community. Thank you for sending them through. This is the last Ask an Advisor for the year. But if you do have any more questions, we can answer them in our email. So send them to ask at equitymates.com. And, and this will definitely be coming back next year. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Bigger and better. So uh, today we're going to cover a lot of uh, the questions that have come in about investing. We've got super questions and then some general questions. So let's start with investing, Elena. One that we often get, but feels like uh, anyone new to the community is looking for an answer and it's around buying shares for kids. So how, how do you advise your clients on different ways that you can buy shares for their children? Mm-hmm. Thank you for the question. So I, I believe there are two best ways to do this, depending on how much you're working with. Uh, and your tax position as well. So the first option would be just a regular trading account, whether that's through Comsec or whatever your preferred trading account may be, uh, in the child's name essentially and opening an account with their tax file number. Uh, And then what would happen is uh, they are subject, subject to minor rates. So that means you have to keep the income low. So as long as you earn less than $1,308 a year, you'll pay less than 30% tax. And you can do that via a growth ETF, for example, like a NASDAQ 100. That's achieved 18% per annum for the last 10 years. Um, so that would keep you below the higher tax bracket and allow you to grow some money there for your kids. And the other option would be investment bonds. So if you're happy to invest in funds and ETFs uh, as opposed to direct equities, 
an investment bond product is sort of in between a super fund and a trust, where it gives you a, a concessional tax rate of 30%, um, and after 10 years, zero tax, if you hold it all the way through. If you access it before, you're just subject to the usual tax rates. But So it is, it's accessible to you, um, but it sort of sits separately from your personal assets. There's no requirement to get a tax fund number for your child. Uh, there's no capital gains event if you transfer it um, and change names. Nice. Now, uh, investment bonds have come up a few times uh, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some of the uh, investment bond issuers that you think would be worth Googling and mm-hmm. doing our own research mm-hmm. on if we're looking just for some names to start our research? Yeah, I think Gen Life is the most flexible and has the widest investment menu in terms of the managed funds and investment options available. They also have tailored investment bonds for particular goals. Like if you've got... If you want to fund education, for example, or if you've got a broader objective to help your child, you can tailor the investment bond accordingly based on how long you're investing okay. and those sorts of things and, and, and the, yeah, the features of the products. Yeah. And yeah. then there's also Centuria, IOOF, a few other providers out there you can have yeah, a look great. at. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one that's come in, um, what asset classes are you favouring for your clients at the moment? Yes. So with this question, I would say... We have a bit of a balanced approach, not to be boring. There are a couple of asset classes I'll touch on, but we have a very balanced sort of allocation at the moment, and that's in line with the house view. I agree with that view. I, th- I think uh, it's very hard to predict what's going to happen over the next six to 12 months, which we never really know, but it's particularly tricky at the moment. Will there be a hard landing, soft landing, no landing? They're mm. all possibilities. <laughs> uh, so... I think firstly, be balanced across the various asset classes and between growth and defensive. Then maybe a slight tilt towards Aussie equities and there's some interesting stuff in fixed interest as well. So Aussie equities, I say that because of the population growth story and there's some foreign money coming in too apparently. A lot of the fund managers based globally are looking at Australia and some of our businesses here, uh, as well as um, fixed interest. So fixed interest, direct bonds, locking in some of these high interest rates. You can't always pick the top, but I'd say that the current bank bonds that are paying about 65 to 7% is pretty good uh, for a 10-year bank bond. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, uh, yeah. I, uh, I'm on a mailing list from one of the bond uh, issuers they're all $50,000 minimum parcels, so I'm not, I can't invest in any of them. But, you know, you're getting like a, a good bank paying 7% interest. It's like that's almost that's almost equity-like returns. Yeah, and yeah. there are platforms out there you can access those bonds with a minimum of 50000 mm. which for some people might be high, but in a super fund you could do that. Yeah, um, one day. Yeah. One day, yeah. <laughs> so I cut you off there, but uh, we spoke about equities and fixed income. Any other asset classes that are sort of, in the uh, conversation at the moment? I would, outside of that, I would say having some cash set aside, not too much, to be able to take advantage of potential volatility over the next six months and opportunities that are in the market. But not, again, balanced across, across cash, fixed interest, Aussie equities. Is where what what is not too much? So slightly more than what your typical risk profile would say. So if you're balanced... They might typically say uh, that you should have 5%, so maybe 10, a little bit more that you can play with uh, because, yeah, like I said, well, well, as we're raising rates, which will continue, we've seen inflation come down yesterday, uh, but there's no doubt we're still above the long-term targets 
mm. for inflation, there will be further rate rises, most likely. But either way, pain ahead, pain ahead from the rate rises we've seen and on the short term potential volatility. So that's why we're having a balanced approach and some cash there to take opportunity of that. Mm. Mm. And the thing with cash, like the there's so many bad things about the ex- this economic environment that we're mm. in, but the one thing is that having a 10% weighting to cash is no longer like a dead weight on your portfolio if you've got it in a high interest account and you're getting five and a half percent. Exactly, yeah. yes. Like a Macquarie cash account yeah. pays four and a half to five percent mm. and that's liquid. You can access it every day. Mm. Mm. And it's not going to be sitting there forever. You, like you, you, it, it can be put to use. And most of my clients have been overweight cash up until recently and that's done them really well. They've outperformed the average investor. (laughs) Must be nice. (laughs) Now, our community love stock tips and we've got one that is just directly, do you have any stock tips? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm I'm more of a holistic advisor, but I'm always looking for some direct equity positions as satellite positions that can really boost performance and get people excited about investing too. Uh, So I'd say in the small cap space, Space. We've got a stock called IPG, is the ticker. Okay. Um, so they provide infrastructure for electric vehicles. So upgrading apartment block parking lots and installing battery. Anyway, <laughs> enabling you to charge your electric vehicles yeah. in that in these uh, apartment blocks, and they also um, provide data centres as well. So infrastructure in the tech space, and it's been hit hard the last. The last two months has come down about a dollar from its typical trading price. So I think it's definitely a good opportunity. Nice. nice. Confusingly, the ticker is IPG, but the company is called IPD. Correct. Yeah. And then there's another company called IP, with the ticker IPD Impedium, which is a healthcare stock, not that one. Okay. 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 <laughs> not to be confused. It looks like it's been on a bit of a run in November, up 30%. So there you go. Stock tip IPG. The company is called IPD, the, though. The ticker is IPG. So, Let's I- just stick with the ticker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, it's obviously been quite a volatile, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, what, 12 or 18 months now, really since the start of 2022 uh, and when rates started rising, uh, investing got a lot harder. <laughs> so what are some of the common mistakes that you're seeing clients make? And I guess the flip side of that, are what are some, what are some of the habits and mindsets that you're trying to instill in your clients mm-hmm. uh, in this time? I think, I think it comes back to before you start investing as well. Uh, so obviously the classic panic selling um, at the wrong time. And we've seen that markets recover pretty quickly. Like in the COVID recovery, the market took three weeks to recover a V-shape. And if you were trying to time yourself back in, it's very easy to miss that. Mm. A lot of people did. And I mean, the GFC took two years to recover, but times are different. Uh, people, Things are moving quicker. We've got algorithm trading. We've got all sorts of things going on. Trying to time yourself back into the market is tough, in my opinion. So I think you need to be uh, careful about panic selling, one. And the way to avoid that, in my opinion, is before you start investing, be well aware of the risks. Have an emergency fund set up that you've got that base that you're comfortable, that you, you have enough there, even if you were to lose your job. And the money you're investing with, purely use that to grow and know how much you're risking. So in equities, you can drop by half, as we see in the GFC, or the COVID correction. And then be prepared for that to happen. But you know you've got your emergency fund set aside and you've got a long-term target that you're aiming towards. And how do you advise your clients where to put their emergency fund and, mm-hmm. and, and to know how much their emergency fund should be able to cover in terms of months off work? 
work or mm-hmm. whatever it may be? Yeah, uh, I'd say about three to six months of your expenses. Uh, but the, the reason behind that is that's how long you typically would take to find a new job. Mm-hmm. Statistics show that. I, was, I think it's more US-based, but could be applied here. Uh, that's how long typically it would take you to, to find a new job and be settled and start receiving a regular income again. So, and then in terms of where to place that, some, somewhere liquid, like Macquarie cash, um, cash high interest cash account, um, or in an offset against your mortgage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As two people who have just got mortgages, I literally set up my offset account this morning. It's a very daunting world that we're entering. Yes. Anyway, that's a separate conversation. And hang on, separate to, I'll just add on to emergency fund yeah. um, income protection. So emergency fund, only again, only lasts you three to six months and it's based on if you're out of employment, let's say, or whatever reason your income stops. What about health issues that stop you from getting a new job? That's where income protection kicks in and if you get a policy all the way to age 65, it means between the emergency fund and income protection, you've got to stay in it for the rest of your working life. Mm. Yeah. It's actually something that's on my list of things that I'm doing at the moment because I don't get it through my super mm. because of when I set the super up, it wasn't an option. And to get it in the super, I need to close that super account down, move all the money out, come back in. So that's really frustrating and it's something that I'm considering doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I can just go and get a policy outside of super. Yeah, um, that's right. But there's a fair bit to it in terms of understanding what type of cover you need, how much you need, if it's going to scale as you get older, the health that you're at, blah, blah, blah. So it's not just your classic... um, But when people are in their super fund, they get it through their super fund, they're not going... Are they choosing all of those things? Isn't it often just like a tick box? Yeah, yeah. The the, the income protection policies in super are much simpler, definitely. But either way, if it's in super or outside, it's giving you a monthly coverage. Yes, there are a million different tweaks to it. It doesn't need to be overcomplicated, though. Just make sure you're covered for enough per month to cover your expenses. And then it's up to you. If you want to be covered all the way through to retirement, age 65 is the benefit period to go. All the other tweaks, bells and whistles, don't really matter too much, in my opinion, as long as you've got it. And if it's it's tax deductible. So if you pay for it personally, it's tax deductible to you. If if you're preserving your cash flow, and that's the Mm, goal of yours, then you can pay for it through super. Um, It's tax deductible to the super fund. But Or you can actually split it, have both ways, have half of it through super. Anyway, but the main product providers, TAL, MLC, uh, main insurance providers all offer you pretty straightforward income protection cover. And that's, I would say, an extension of an emergency fund that everyone needs. Yeah. Nice. It's, well, there you go. I learned something there. So it's tax deductible if I pay for it out of my cash flow. Yeah. yeah. And often people lose it. I've had quite a few friends and family recently looking to consolidate their super, whether it's an SMSF or a fund where they've got more control over the investments and they just want to click the button to consolidate. There's a warning there saying you may lose your insurances. You will lose your insurances unless you replace Mm. them. You'll absolutely lose them. So it's definitely Mm. worth looking at, especially at the time, if you're looking at putting a super together into another option, Mm. look at the insurance as well. Are there any other insurances that are tax deductible? Uh, Life and TPD is tax deductible to your super fund only, not to you. Not to you personally. Not to you. So you pretty much always want to fund that through super, bar a few different scenarios. And then there's trauma is the last one, which 
you, it's not tax deductible at all. So you have to pay for it yourself. You can't pay for it through super. But it's sort of a fourth type of cover. If you want a full safety net, there are some cases where income protection won't pay you. So the criteria is you have to not be able to work. And there are some cases where people fall ill and they are physically able to do their job. So trauma gives you a lump sum upon diagnosis. Nice. Yeah. Good 101. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So spe- we're speaking of super, so let's let's hold on super because we, we always get a few questions about super. Um, uh, the first one was very general, I guess, and it also leaves it up to interpretation. So I'm going to be interested to see how you've taken it. Uh, how do the top three super funds compare to an ASX 200 or S&P 500 ETF over 10 years? Now, the two ways that you could take it, the top three super funds, you could say top three is in biggest, like yeah. Oz, Oz Super Lowest and stuff. Fees. Or it could be the top three best performers, which yeah. I actually wouldn't be able to tell you off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested which way did you take it and then uh, how did you answer it? Sure. So I had a look at the top performing super okay, funds, yeah, nice. which was alarming. Over 10 years... Uh, Australian Retirement Trust achieved 6.4%. Is this all their balanced options? This is their balance. After fees? After, after fees. Oh, okay. This is after investment fees, yeah. Yeah. not after yeah. account fees, just purely the investment return. Okay. Aware Super was 63 Uni Super 6.2. Over a decade. L- Over 10 years like per, per annum year. return. Yeah. 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 Lower yeah, than yeah, I yeah. thought. Yes. Yeah. I think the last year and five years are pretty good, but okay. over a 10-year basis, that's what, that's what they're saying. And in terms of uh, ASX 200, what's interesting is uh, IOZ, like one mm-hmm. of the main yeah, yeah, ASX 200 ETFs, yeah. uh, actually has a similar return, six and a half, for 10 right. years. Is that excluding dividends, though? Uh, yes, yeah, yes, would yeah, I would yeah, say. Yeah. But yeah. Well, it's per annum return. So anyway, okay. but yeah, but then S&P 500, much higher, 11, yeah. 11% yeah. per yeah, annum. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, the answer to that is if you're in a diversified portfolio, you achieve better than what you would in a t- typical... Just. Just better. If you, between international Aussie... Oh, you mean diversified yeah, between you, you, ASX and S&P 500? Let's say two ETFs, S&P yeah. 500 ETF, yeah, yeah. ASX 200 ETF, you would beat yeah. the industry yeah. fund. Yeah. yeah, but I guess it's an important reminder that choosing the right setting on your super is important and you know whilst everyone's situation is different in general when you're young you have the capacity to be more aggressive correct yeah. you do and you've got a longer time frame you've got cash coming in mm. so you know how it said set cash aside is a good idea at the moment um i sort of mentioned that earlier well if you're employed and you've got super guarantee coming in don't have to worry about that you've got cash coming in and that can work towards adding to a share portfolio or paying down debt. If you've got a self-managed super fund, you pay down your debt quite quickly because you've got regular contributions coming in and similar for a share portfolio, you're adding into that portfolio regularly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So with a self-managed super fund, you can mm. borrow through a self-managed super fund. Yeah, you can. People yeah. buy investment properties and stuff yeah, through yeah, self-managed yeah, super yeah. Yes, you can. And yeah. one of the unique things about a self-managed people don't realise is you can pull your money together as well with your spouse oh, or sibling or okay. relative nice. that you trust. Dude, ideally. We, we should do an SMSF together. <laughs> sure, bring in our wives and partners as well. <laughs> we could all get one house maybe. <laughs> yeah, so you can borrow. It's called limited recourse borrowing though. So it's, not, it's a bit tighter than borrowing your personal name in terms of how much you can borrow. 
and ultimately it's still within the super environment. You can't touch that asset until and, you and even the even the cash flow generated from the asset has to go back into the super. You can't correct. Use that it's all under that super umbrella. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But within the under under the umbrella, you can do. Many different things yeah, as, a, yeah, as, yeah. as an SMSF, including borrowing to buy a property. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, on the super theme and related to the first question, what is the best way to compare super funds? Yes. So advisors do this all the time. But if you don't want to pay for an advisor, uh, what we do as part of the process <laughs> is we have a list of questions, hard questions that we use to call up the super fund and ask them. So... Oh, the balance, obviously. And then ultimately, like wh- where you're invested um, currently, where you're invested, look at the performance of that, but also how many investment options are there available in the fund? And then fees, obviously, as well. But you know, interesting thing about fees is they vary between 1% and 2%. Performance varies a lot more than that. So between it can be 10% difference between a fund, A fund performance and B fund performance. So performance does come into it even more so than fees, Yeah, I would say, and availability of investments, how many investments. And then ultimately other things like is there a binding nomination available, insurance options, long list of questions that matter to you, and then sort of just ask that across the different funds and compare it that way, I mm. would say. Without calling the super fund, it's often quite hard to get a clear view on what they are invested in. Mm-hmm. They'll so, say they'll so say yeah, they'll say Australian securities or private equity, but it's like what is that? And so it feels like the the solution is you've just got to give them a call and find out. But even in that case, though, yes, they'll they'll give you certain information, but that's one of the downsides of industry funds. They are cheap and a great solution if you're under a certain balance, in my opinion. Uh, Once you've got over $100,000 or thereabouts, maybe even less than that, uh, you could be looking at other options where you've got more transparency. It's your hard-earned money. Uh, you don't actually have a right to know in some of these investment options. That's that's the way mm. the industry funds are run. Mm. What other options? Other options are wrap super funds where – they, wrap, they wrap, wrap the reporting up for you. That's the, the term wrap is yeah. used for that. They do the reporting for you, but they offer a very wide sort of list of investments you can yeah. choose from yeah. and manage it yourself essentially like a self-managed but without the tax liabilities and paperwork that yeah. you have to do when you're running a self-managed. Uh, and the cost is sometimes similar. We don't realise these re- – they call them retail funds as well or super wraps. Uh, the cost can be quite similar to an industry fund, depending on which industry fund you're in. Yeah. And the investment options can be hundreds and, or thousands more than what you might have in your industry fund. Yeah. We actually had another question around industry funds, not just about investment options, which I agree, it's often hard to find. And then you, you open the AFR and you see that Australian super is now like standing in the way of origins ac- acquisition. And it's like, well, that's, yeah, you, you're not, where do you see that show up in your investment report? But anyway, that's a, another conversation. Um, but the we also had a question about finding out all of the fees that you get charged. And sometimes it's hard to find... Uh, all the different fees to do like a true apples to apples comparison. The person that asked this question was actually looking at going back from an SMSF to an industry fund, but was struggling to do it. Do you, I guess at short of being an advisor and speaking to someone, how do you get a good view of all the different fees that you mm. might be charged? I think there are, there are two main fees really, uh, but they just sort of change the wording in them and sometimes they divide them up. So, the two main fees are investment fees and then product fees. 
for the super fund. And the investment fees, they're obliged to tell you. They have to tell you. Um, so, and sometimes what they do is they might split it between like an asset-based fee and then another fee, um, but really it's just an investment management fee. So if you just ask what's the total investment management fee for a fund that you're in, they'll have to disclose that to you. And the other layer is the product fees. So again, that can be called an asset-based fee, admin fee, account keeping, uh, but the total administration fees, product fees, they must disclose that to you. So they're the two main Mm -hmm. ones. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to take a very quick break. And on the other side, we're going to cover questions around debt recycling, the worst financial advice you've ever heard, plus more. So we'll be right back. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to Equity Mates. We're here with Yelena Konkar, Senior Wealth Advisor, Holistic Advisor at Shore and Partners. And uh, we've been covering questions from the community around investing and superannuation. I love it. And this is, a, I guess, a reflection of us and our audience. It's like we have a holistic wealth advisor that can advise on all aspects of like personal finance, building your, you know, your financial house. But we're just like investing yes. in super. <laughs> Tell us about the stock market. I know, I know. Maybe next year. Year. As I said, this uh, the series will continue next year, so please keep the questions coming. Ask at equitymates.com is where you can submit them. Now, we've got a few just general questions to, uh, to close out, Elena. And the first one is, it's a good one. If you were to give a gift this Christmas to someone uh, to help improve their financial well-being, what would you give? I would give a safety net, i.e., Emergency fund and insurance policies. That's your safety net so you can move forward and invest with confidence. You'd give someone their emergency no. fund. <laughs> well, yes. That would be a, an amount yeah, yeah. to work Here's towards it, I guess. a bunch of cash for your emergency fund. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe a, an invoice, a voucher to see an advisor to do that for yeah, them. Yeah, I think that's that'd be a good yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Voucher yeah. to go and see an advisor to help them achieve those two things. Do you do vouchers? I did in my last role. Yeah. I'm really busy at the moment, but perhaps we could reintroduce it. Maybe we can reintroduce yeah, it. Yeah, a good one. Yeah. I imagine a lot of parents would be buying it for their like early 20s kids. Yes, yeah. yes. I think it's worth it. I mean, sitting down with an advisor, I think an hour or half an hour with an advisor can open your eyes and, mm. as to what's available out there and what you should be thinking about. Mm. Someone in our office went to an advisor, one of the advisors that we've actually had on the show, and she was sceptical. And came back and raved about it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. for that yeah. reason, she what she thought she would get out of it 
um, having like working here at Equity Maze, yeah. like yeah, didn't think she'd get much out of it. But, yeah, yeah, and this the advisor opened her eyes. And going to an advisor that has a broad range of areas of advice mm, yeah. is useful, I would say. <laughs> so we've got this question a few times. Uh, it's not something that I'm super familiar with, um, but that's okay. I'm not super familiar with a lot. So uh, it's about debt recycling. What is it, I guess? Let's start at the very basics. And then when should people think about it? Mm -hmm. So it's the concept, the term debt recycling is sort of moving your debt from being non-tax deductible to tax deductible, like throughout your working life. And you can do that as you build equity in your home. You can borrow against that home and invest it into an investment property or a share portfolio, which is an investable asset, and that debt becomes tax deductible. And the idea is that asset grows or pays your income, allows you to pay off your non-deductible debt faster. So yeah, okay. that's the idea so in, in a nutshell. In plain and simple terms, it would be we have a home loan. Mm -hmm. We build some equity in mm -hmm. that. And in a few years' time, we mm -hmm. then redraw that or borrow against yep. that to buy growth stocks. Yep. Or, or an investment property. Or an in, another investment property. Yeah, another. <laughs> a investment property. <laughs> yeah. And then because that's used for investment purposes, that debt is then tax deductible. Correct. And that asset will likely grow it's supposed to, according to statistics, uh, 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 the stock market double-digit returns, depending on what time frame, but at least 8 to 10% return uh, and a property is similar, I'd say. And then the interest you're paying is less than that. So over time you're ahead and you're paying down your debt faster. So I think that's super important. You wouldn't do it in a scenario where the expected return on the investment is less than what you're paying in interest. Correct. But then you have to look at this as a medium term investment. You're not investing in shares or property for less than a year or less than a few years time, ideally. And over that time frame, it should achieve more than what the interest you're paying, yeah. generally yeah. speaking. Yeah. It's funny when you think about it from a policy point of view, like, and I know none of us are here to design government policy and mm. it's just about maximizing your financial circumstances within the policy parameters that we have. But when you think about it like that, it it's strange that investment loans an investment loan to buy a house is tax deductible but a loan to buy a house for an owner occupier isn't mm. just from a policy point of view and yep. how we're trying to like what incentive structures we're trying to build into the system it seems strange mm, mm. yeah anyway well, let's not get it'd be, it'd that, be that like, rabbit hole because it'd it be isn't. ideal if it was <laughs> owner occupied as well but anyway I mean, it would be great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if it was you wanted to take the hate out of the housing market, you would you'd say, well, this, this just gets into the whole negative gearing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That falls into that category. I, I would be all for making more incentives to make stock market investing uh, more. Mm, mm. Anyway. Um, and so do you see a lot of clients doing debt recycling? Not really. So often we have to open their eyes to it. They've, right. got, they've got available equity. They've got a high income. They've got an emergency fund. Why aren't they doing that? They could unlock some capital there and grow their wealth further and faster and pay off their debt for their non-tax deductible debt faster. Good. Go. A new concept. <laughs> Something to think about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're still a little bit away from that. I think. Yeah, I was just thinking, <laughs> yeah. I haven't even had paid one mortgage payment yet. So. Well, I, I, guess, I guess that's a, probably a good question because a lot of people listening would be a little bit further than Bryce and I and they've started paying off a mortgage. Mm. How much, like maybe as a percentage of the house uh, or of the apartment, how much equity should they have before debt recycling becomes part of the conversation? Like, I would look at it as a dollar figure. But okay, if you've got yeah. a, if you've got a couple hundred thousand, 
Okay. That's enough to do, to do something, yeah, I would right. say. I mean, if, you, if you're being cautious with the share market, you could do it in stages. You could do it in like $100,000 lots to, to dollar cost average into the market to, yeah, to minimize your risk yeah, in terms yeah, of investing. Yeah. And, and like we said, it, it's a volatile time. So we don't know. It could be difficult six to 12 months in markets. You could go backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but true. if you're doing it gradually, then you're more likely to achieve a better result in two, on a two or three year basis. Yeah, Take it out and buy the 8% bonds that are getting... Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we have, actually have clients who are doing this, um, borrowing into bonds. Uh, it's a very safe investment. And ultimately you're achieving 2% return uh, on something that net after the co- yeah, borrowing yeah. costs. You're borrowing for six and uh, Whereas you achieve, yeah. you achieve nothing if you weren't doing it at all. So mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you're achieving the 2% net and you're getting the tax, tax deductibility for yeah. six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. putting a tax position where you're doing it if you're doing it in personal name or yeah. Yeah. super. It's interesting. interesting all right, yes. well, I'm glad we asked that question because <laughs> it's opened my eyes. Uh, the final questions we have are, I guess, two sides of the same coin. We'll ask them separately, uh, but they're the best and worst pieces of financial advice. Let's start with the worst so we can finish on a positive note with the best. So uh, you've been an advisor uh, for a number of years. I'm sure you've heard a lot of advice and I'm sure you've heard, uh, heard a lot of opinions from clients as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's some of the worst that you've heard? My, my, the worst thing that I've heard and that bothers me the most, especially at the moment, is when people are certain about the future, when they, they sort of try, they're so adamant about a particular outcome. And that includes professionals more so than clients. That, that irks me the most. Uh, and, and it's so transparent when they're trying to push their own product, but clients could fall for it. I mean, if you sit there listening to let's say, a defensive investment fund. Name names. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna. Uh, Let's say a defensive like values, value style global equity fund. Value mm. typically is more in favour when times are tough. So they're bears, naturally bears, trying to promote their own fund, saying markets will be down 30% next year. Yeah. That's, that's a typical example of a bear and pushing their own product. And, and they're very adamant on the fact that it's going to be down. And, um, and I'm like, hang on a second. What about my clients um, that obviously that we see a potential scenario of soft landing, hard landing, no landing, and various economists around the world have all these different opinions. Why are you the expert? Yeah. Mm. How do you know what's going to happen? And it's transparent, basically. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So avoid people that have, have certain predictions about the future. They're too certain about yeah, yeah, the future. Yeah, I like that. Yes. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, what's the best piece of financial advice you've had? Uh, the best piece is from one of my idols, Susie Orman. She's a financial expert from the US. Okay. She's, she, her main sort of saying is uh, people first, then money, then things. And that sort of in, sort of the point of it is, you should put your relationships first. Money is the next most important thing. Having financial security and things are last. So really, when you go to buy that thing, you don't really need to impress the person you don't really care about. Think twice about that. Yeah, awesome. Love that. Great way to finish. Well, thank you so much, Helena. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you again to the community that submitted all of those questions. Ask at equitymates.com to keep sending them through and we'll make sure that we get them in for the first episode back in 2024. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.